Our focus this morning will be on one of our favorite subjects, and that is heaven. And that is heaven. We do not lack great motivation as far as serving God. When we think about the cross, when we think about the numerous blessings that come down from the throne of God, when we think about the tremendous sacrifice of Jesus on our behalf, the power of God that He has shown on earth, there are plenty of motivators, but here's one of the best. And that is to think about heaven. Think about heaven. We're going to be looking at five pictures of heaven this morning. Five different pictures of heaven. These are not all the pictures of heaven. But there are five of them, and I truly believe that the different ways in which heaven is presented to us has the purpose of interesting us One picture might mean more to one than another picture might mean. But altogether, the Lord wants us to be in heaven with Him. So let's get started. The first picture of heaven is a garden paradise. A garden paradise. In 2 Corinthians 12, verses 2 through 4, the Apostle Paul mentions how that he was blessed while on earth, to be taken up to the third heaven, which we believe to be the heaven itself. And he resembles this and and recognizes this as paradise. As a paradise. And we are very familiar with what John says about heaven in Revelation chapter 22, 1 through 3, where John sees the throne of God, and out from the throne of God is the river of life. And on this side of the river and that side of the river is the tree of life. And there is no more curse. And this is one of the great pictures of heaven. A garden paradise. Many of you love your flower gardens. You love the springtime when you're able to get out and and plant and see your garden come to uh, fruition. There are a lot of vineyards. There are a lot of fruit uh, trees that are planted by people, and this may be the very aspect of heaven that you love the most. It does remind us of Eden, when God placed Adam and Eve in Eden. And you might say in a sense that heaven up above will be paradise restored. The great thing about Eden for Adam and Eve, of course they enjoyed the 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 fruit, they were able to eat of every tree except one, and they were able to enjoy the environment in which God had placed them. But the best thing, according to Genesis 3 and verse 8, is that God walked among them. And that will be the best thing about heaven. Heaven will be a tremendous environment, and we'll have plenty of association there, and there'll be much to rejoice about, but the greatest thing, the the thing that ought to motivate us the most, is the fact that God will be there and we'll have a fellowship with Him unlike we've ever had uh, previously. You see, when sin came into the world, it destroyed the fellowship of God with man. So that's why Jesus came into 
the world. Notice what is said about Jesus in John 1 and verse 14. It says, Jesus the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And as you looked at Him, you were able to see the Lord in Him. In fact, Jesus will say over in John 14, 7-9, that He that has seen me, seen me has seen the Father. And so through Jesus, the Lord is working out this fellowship that can be regained between God Almighty and mankind Himself. And that's why Jesus died on the cross for our sins. That's why He shed His blood. So that we can be cleansed of our sins and so we can walk in fellowship with the Lord. The church is pictured in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, 16-18 as the temple of the Lord wherein God walks in that temple and God dwells in that temple and we are in that temple and we're having fellowship with Him even, even now. It's even more personal than that. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 19, Paul says, Know you not that even your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit, which you have from God, and you are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God both in your body and in your spirit. The Lord desires fellowship with us, and that's what heaven's all about. And ultimately, the greatest, the greatest personal walk with God will be in heaven up above in that paradise garden that we want uh, to be in. When we get to heaven, that's what is going to be so great. We'll be with the Lord. That's what Paul says in Philippians 1, 21-23. He says, I have a desire to depart and to be with Christ, which is far better. Far better. That's... Paul knew all about heaven, but his, his favorite ideal was that he would, he would be with Christ. Be right there with him. I love what John writes in 1 John 3 and verse 2, where he says, Beloved, it does not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, and we shall see him even as he is. You see... Fellowship with God right now is possible through the blood of Jesus and through our submission, but not yet, not yet are we at the ultimate time of fellowship. There is coming a day when we will look upon His face and we will see Him as He really is. And that time will be when we are in heaven with Him. And God desires this fellowship. That's what's so great about Psalm 116 in verse 15. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of His saints. Now, when one of ours passes away, when one of the brethren passes away, it certainly brings great sadness. And we anticipate the separation that it will, not, that will be there. We, we will not have the fellowship with that loved one that we've been able to enjoy in, in previous years. But for the Lord, for the Lord, this is a great time. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of His saints. He is gaining. He is, he is one step forward to, to that ultimate fellowship of being with that saint, with that brother, with that sister forever and ever in heaven. What a wonderful thought. So the first picture of heaven is 
a garden paradise. And before we leave this idea, I want us to do some comparisons between the old garden of Eden and the new heaven up above the garden paradise. First of all, both created by God. Genesis 1 verse 1. In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. God created that first uh, paradise. But God also is creating this second one too. Revelation 21 verse 1. John said, I, I looked and I saw a new heavens and a new earth. See that? Revelation 21 verse 1. The old heaven and the old earth were passed away. So both created by God. In Genesis 1 and verse 5, we read how that when God is creating this earth, He called the light day and He called the darkness night. But then when you flip over all the way over to Revelation 22 and verse 5, you read that in heaven there will be no night there. No night there. In Genesis chapter 1 and verse 10, we read how as God is creating uh, this universe that He called the dry land earth and He called the seas, the waters that were gathered together, He called that the seas. He called that the sea. In Revelation 21 and verse 1, John said, I saw a new heaven and a new earth. The old heaven and the old earth were passed away and the sea was no more. The sea was no more. It's interesting that as John writes Revelation, he had been banished to the island of Patmos. Could it be that he had seen a lot of storms out there? And of course the wind is, is treacherous on those islands. The storms have blown up. It was probably real cold and plus he was having to serve as a prisoner out there. He's been banished to the Isle of Patmos. Perhaps his thought, the thought of no more sea, no more having to wrestle with the weather off of that sea provided for him great comfort. But nonetheless, God created this universe, created this earth. He called the waters the sea, but in that future paradise, the sea will be no more. In Genesis 1 and verse 16, we read how that God set a greater light over the day and a lesser light over the night. Of course, the greater light over the day was the sun, and the lesser, night, lesser light over the nighttime was the moon and the stars. But we read in Revelation 21 and verse 23, there will be no need for the sun there in heaven. Because the glory of God and the glory of the Lamb of God will be there. And that's all the light you will need in heaven. It will be one eternal day and a day like we've never experienced before. In Genesis chapter 3 and verse 17, Because sin did enter into the world, God placed a curse upon men. For one thing, He told Adam that through the sweat of your brow, you will be working this land and tilling this land. But in Revelation chapter 22 and verse 3, there will be no more curse in heaven. In Revelation 3 and verse 19, Adam is told that you will now go back to the dust from which you were taken. Death is going to come upon this land. And it did come upon the land, as we very well know. But in that future paradise, Revelation 21 verse 4, death shall be no more. Just shout out aloud in your heart if you want to. Death shall be no more. Revelation 21 and verse 4. 
In Genesis chapter 3, 22-24, as God drove out Adam and Eve from the Garden of Eden, He set some cherubim there, and He had a, a flaming sword that turned every which way to keep people away from the tree of life. But in the future, in heaven up above, in that garden paradise, according to Revelation twenty two fourteen, we will have a right to the tree of life again. And we'll be able to live forever and ever with our Lord. You see, first picture is of a garden of paradise. The second picture is of a beautiful city. A beautiful city. Abraham was called to leave his home, Hebrews 11 and verse 8, and go out into a land in which he would receive for inheritance. And he went out by faith, not knowing where he would go. But here's the key to Abraham's faith. He looked for a city, Hebrews 11, verse 10. He looked for a city that has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. That's the city we're looking for. A city that has true foundations that will never be taken away. In Revelation chapter 21, in verse 2, John said he looked and he saw the heavenly city, New Jerusalem, coming in down out of heaven as a bride prepared for her adorned and prepared for her husband. He saw the new Jerusalem, the heavenly city, coming down. And if you will look closely into that great chapter of Revelation 21, you will see various descriptions of that city. I love what is said here in Revelation 21, beginning in verse 10, as John is relating to us what he is seeing. He said, The Spirit carried me away to a mountain great and high, John says, and showed me the holy city Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God. Having the glory of God, her light was like unto a stone most precious, as it were a jasper stone, clear as crystal. And you can just keep reading for yourself. Various colors are mentioned, and the whole city is just lit up, brilliant and bright. And thrown in there is mixtures of dark green and dark blue and mixtures of blue green and solid white and crystal just as clear as crystal. What a beautiful, beautiful place John is seeing. Reminds you a little bit of the lights of Christmas. I won't go so far to say that if you don't enjoy Christmas, you won't enjoy heaven. But it gets real close. It gets real close. It's a beautiful, beautiful city. And it reminds us, 1 Kings 10, here comes the Queen of Sheba. She'd heard about Solomon. She'd heard about his wisdom. She came with all her questions and Solomon gave her the answers that no one had ever given. And she came she saw all the kingdoms. She saw the glory. She saw the riches. She saw the servants. She saw the cupbearers. She saw the food. She saw everyone in line and all that Solomon had created. And she looked to Solomon and said, according to verse number 7, she said, when I heard of all this, the fame, this fame of yours, I did not believe it, but now I have come and I've seen it for myself. And she said, i tell you what, Solomon, the half has not been told. The half was not told. In other words, what I heard didn't even compare to what actually is. I got a feeling... I got a feeling we're going to be walking around 
that beautiful city saying something very similar. Even after all of our study of Scripture and all of our thoughts and our prayers and meditations and hopes toward that city, when we get there, we're going to say, this doesn't even get close to what I thought. This is more wonderful than I could have ever imagined. We know Paul says in Romans 8, verse 18, he says, I reckon that the sufferings of this present world are not worthy to be compared. Notice that. Not worthy to compare. He doesn't just say, are not to be compared. The sufferings of this present world are not worthy to be compared to the glory which shall one day be revealed to us. Beautiful, beautiful city. This third picture I want to mention is the fact that heaven is known to be a better country. better country. Hebrews chapter 11, once again, 13 and 16. You have the patriarchs of old, the old uh, faithful men of Old Testament times, how they had endured much. And one thing they did, they confessed that they were but strangers and pilgrims. And they looked for a country, a better country. Peter says we also are strangers and pilgrims according to 1 Peter 2.11. And as strangers and pilgrims, Peter says we need to abstain from fleshly lust at war against the soul. You see, a pilgrim is one who's on a journey. And we're all on a journey. And the song is true. This world is not our home. We are just passing through. We're on a journey. We have come from God. It's as if we have come from heaven. And we are aliens here. This is not our own. We're aliens here. Paul says in Philippians 3 and verse uh, 20 that our citizenship is in heaven. From whence also we look for a Savior, Jesus Christ our Lord. Yeah, this is not our real home. We, we're on a journey here, and in a sense, we're a bunch of aliens. We're here with a work visa, which is called the gospel. And we are carrying out that work that the Lord has given to us to do, and one day He's going to call us home, having finished this work. We're all on a journey to a country which is much better. Oftentimes when we think of our country, we think of other people wanting to come here, we think they're coming here because of the freedoms that we enjoy, and that, that is true. People will almost break their neck to get here. And we can't hardly blame them because we know how blessed we are in these United States, but these United States don't compare to the country to which we are going. Let me mention three freedoms of the country we call heaven. Three freedoms in that country up above. First, there's the freedom from social turmoil, social disturbance. If you'll notice in Revelation 21 and verse 27 that all those who make abominations, all those who are unclean, all those who love lying and those who do lying, okay, all of those people will not be there. Only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. Follow that up, if you will, by reading Revelation 22 and 15. Outside that city of those, again, 
to make abominations, to make lies, who are unclean, and so forth, sorcerers, and so forth. It will be a land free from social disturbance. There won't be anybody else there who has any other reason for being there other than praising our God. Can you imagine that environment? A second freedom is freedom from physical problems. Freedom from physical problems. There will be no death there. Revelation 21 verse 4. No more crying. No more pain. No more mourning. Nothing there that even resembles a physical problem. How much of our lives are wrapped up in physical problems? bunch of it is. We won't be dealing with that there. No more pain management. No more drug stores. No more funeral homes. No more hospitals. No more visits to the doctor's office. There will simply be no freedom from physical problems, if you can imagine. Philippians 3.21, we're going to receive a new body a body likened to our Lord Jesus Christ, and that's going to free us from physical problems. And then a third freedom in that country will be freedom from mental distresses. I love this. From mental distresses. In Revelation 14, 13, blessed are the dead. Now, our world says, blessed are the living. Now, our world goes around all the time saying, blessed are the living, blessed are the living, blessed are the young, blessed are those who look healthy, blessed are those who are living. God says, blessed are the dead that die in the Lord. That they may rest, and I want you to notice this, that they may rest. Let that word sink in. They may rest from their labors. That is a world free of mental distress. <clears throat> Psalm 16:11 is one that you'll want to be highlighting in your Bible if you haven't already. Psalm 16:11 <clears throat> Psalm 16:11 in His presence is the... Here it comes. In His presence is the fullness of joy. If that's all you ever read about heaven, it will be enough to make you want to go there. In His presence is fullness of joy, and at His right hand are pleasures forevermore. Whatever mental distress you're facing, doesn't it do you some good to think about that will all be gone one day? Heaven will be worth it all. Whatever it is you've got to endure now, heaven will be worth it all. And so it's a beautiful city and it's a, be- it's a better country. And then a fourth picture of heaven is that it's a grand assembly. Grand assembly. We just think we have assemblies here. We would think that if, if we didn't have room to move in these pews, and we would love to see that, of course, we would say we've had a good assembly. We have with nothing comparing to heaven. 
And we've just got to look at this. <clears throat> Revelation chapter 7. And verse number 9. And after these things I saw and behold a great multitude. Which no man could number. In other words, just as far as your eye could see, there are people. Out of every nation, thank the Lord, and of all tribes and peoples and tongues or languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, arrayed in white robes and palms in their hands, And with a great voice they're saying, Salvation unto God who sits on the throne and unto the Lamb. Grand assembly. Now all those there would have had their robes washed in the blood of the Lamb. Let your eyes keep going. Revelation 7 and verse 14, 13 and 14. Who of these are arrayed in white robes? These are those that had their robes washed in the blood of the Lamb. Through faith, repentance, confession, and baptism, one is able to experience that washing of our robes. And things are forgiven. We're made white in the blood of the Lamb. Wish we could just, you know, technically, we ought to have a sidebar right there and just talk about that a few minutes for about 15 minutes and then come back to this. But we'll keep studying. What a grand assembly this will be. Now some questions come up. One question might be this. Someone might say, well, I don't like big crowds. How can I enjoy heaven if I don't like big crowds? Well, all that is is a weakness of the flesh. And remember Paul says in Philippians 3.21, we're going to receive a new body. We'll change everything. So as long as you love people and love to see people go to heaven, then God will take care of the rest. Okay. It'll be a big crowd. Big crowd. Now if you have if we have trouble loving people and loving their souls and wanting more people to know about Christ, then we might not be there to even see this grand assembly. <clears throat> Another question then might come up is, uh, well, I don't really enjoy um, being in church all the time. And heaven sounds like one big long church. You know, that's a lot of spiritual things for a person to take in. What if I'm not ready to enjoy that? Well, there will be a lot of singing, praising the Lord. You know, Revelation 22 also says that we'll serve Him. We don't know everything that's going to take place in heaven. It won't be just one big worship service. There's something about serving God. You know, we're not going to become God when you get there. Okay. Just because we break loose from this body, just because we break loose from this earth, doesn't mean we're going to become God and just know everything. We're still going to be His creation. He's going to be the Creator. There's going to be a lot to praise Him about, and He's going to have us serving Him. And just, I just trust that He knows what He's doing on this. If you say, well, you really think I will enjoy that much spirituality? Well, give yourself a time to grow. We must grow 
And the more we grow in grace and knowledge, 2 Peter 3.18, then the more we're going to appreciate those things which are spiritual. Think about when you're a kid. Okay? Your toys were your life. I love that Home Alone movie, the second one, where Kevin goes into the Duncan's toy store and he says, this is the greatest action I've had all, in all my life. Something like that. I could relate to him because I remember your toys were your life. But you outgrow that. And our longing for this world, our clinging to this world, we can grow out of that as well. And have more and more of a desire for just the presence of the Lord. Another question might be, well, all those people, how many people are you talking about here? We're talking about a lot of people. We're talking about all the faithful from Adam on down. We're talking about all the faithful, not just from this generation worldwide, but all the faithful from the previous generation worldwide, and that previous generation worldwide, all the nations and tongues and everywhere the gospel has gone, as far as the eye can see, well, how can I get to know all those people? The only reason we don't know people now is because of a lack of time. Will time be a problem in heaven? Uh, time's not going to be a problem in heaven. We're going to have an eternity, whatever that is, on and on, to be able to get to know those that we might not know previously. And what a time it's going to be. And so heaven is not only a better country, but it's also a grand assembly. And finally, it is that eternal home. It is the Father's house. Jesus talked about this in John 14, beginning in verse 1. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house, in my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. Don't get carried away with that mansion idea. That just means there's a lot of room. There's plenty of room for everybody in heaven. Okay? We're going to be very busy. Don't be thinking you're going to be in, you know, spending your, your time in some mansion where servants come to you. If you, that's your idea of God, then you've got to stop and recharge and rethink and just start over on that. But in my Father's house are plenty of rooms. Plenty of abiding places. Jesus said, when I come again, you can be there. Solomon mentions in Ecclesiastes 12, verse 5, about that long home that we all desire. Deep down, being made in the image of God, we, we desire to be there. Deep down, we want that eternal home uh, with the Lord. And we can reflect what Psalm 27, verse 4 says, when David says, one thing I have asked, one thing I will seek after, to dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, and to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in His temple where we'll have forever and ever to do just that in heaven up above. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5, we walk by faith, not by sight. None of the things that we've been talking about this morning is anything that has been given to us by sight. We walk by faith, not by sight. And he goes on to say that we're willing rather to be absent from the body and to be at home with the Lord. Is that your desire? Paul says if you walk by faith, not by sight, it is your desire. We are willing rather to be absent from this body and to be at home with the Lord. 
Let's stand and sing this song of encouragement. Let's be motivated to serve God like we've never done before. Let's all stand and sing.